All right. Well, we're going to go back and see if we can't do something creative to kind of wrap up uh, the book of Ecclesiastes where we've been for a couple of weeks here. Um, I think we're going to jump down to chapter 10 and pick up in chapter 10 a little bit and um, see if we can pull some nuggets out of chapter 10 as we progress on down through and try to finish it up this, this evening. Tink will begin in two weeks doing Wednesday nights. Next week we have VBS, so we will be off from um, Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, but um, we will see if we can't end this on a, on a high note because we've been spending about three weeks talking about all these low notes and all of these these uh, things that the preacher in Ecclesiastes keeps referring to as vanities or as, uh, um, what is it, Barb? What's the word that your Bible uses? Meaninglessness. Meaninglessness, yes. Yes, all these things that are meaningless. So let's jump into chapter 10 and start right off. And we'll read some of these verses and, and start discussing through them and uh, see if we can gain some nuggets of, of wisdom through what is being shared here. So chapter 10, verse 1, it reads, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. We're going to read all the way down through 4, I think, and then we'll stop. Verse 2 says, A wise man, man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. In, in verse 10, we see a reference here to the perfumer's ointment. And if you can remember, I think it was back in chapter chapter 7, there was a reference to uh, to wisdom, uh, to a wise man, I believe it was, being um, being like perfumer's ointment or being like like uh, good ointment. And so when we when we start talking about chapter ten here, we're getting the this description again of what happens with foolishness and where foolishness takes you. And there's this ongoing, um, as we've mentioned several times, this ongoing theme that when it comes to to foolishness, um, it, it's interesting because everything he talks about in this world under the sun is useless. It's pointless. However, it sounds as if when you're a fool, it just makes it worse. It just makes everything that much worse. And so he continues to make these points about foolishness with regard to foolishness and, and refer to it in a number of different ways. And I think part of the point here is that when when you read these words like it, it uh, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, um, it doesn't take much foolishness to ruin everything. And we're going to find a whole lot more of that. When you think about this perspective, in today's day and age, what happens when somebody makes a mistake? When a public figure does something wrong? They may have had 50 years of wonderful performance, 50 years of being looked up at, and then all of a sudden, today's day and age, they say something wrong in public, they have a slip of the tongue, they do something they shouldn't have done, and what happens? They lose all accountability. Everything. Credibility. Yeah. yeah. They, they lose all credibility. They get canceled, as we say in today's culture. It doesn't take much to cause them to completely fall. 
And I think to some extent, this is a bit of a picture of what we're experiencing today. You get, you get one fly in the ointment, the ointment is ruined. Well, you can take all this wonderful, sweet-smelling career, all these things that you've done and worked for, and you say one foolish thing or do one foolish act, and all of a sudden, all of these things that you've done are vanity. They just get completely wiped off the map to the point where you look at it and say, what was the point? And so we, we come back again to what the preacher continues to say, that all of these things that we do winds up being nothing but vanity. Yeah, actually in chapter, let's see, chapter 7, verse 1, he, he, I want to get this right, he refers to a good name as precious ointment. And so now he's saying that if you get just one fly, you can ruin your precious name. And we really see that in today's day and age, today's society. You can work a lifetime building respect and one Mess up. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, it's 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 it happens that way today more than it probably ever has happened. And if we look at that from the perspective of everything else that we've been studying, it points back to why do we even go through all of this? How do do, do if you're looking for meaning in all of those things that you've accomplished in life? You're, you're going in the wrong direction. You're looking in the wrong place. And so all of these things kind of say, they, they have the same, the same overall tone. Um, let, me, let me read this here to you briefly. Look at verse two. A man's, or a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. I want to read this to you from one of the studies that I was using to, to put this together. It says, man's foolishness adds to the pointlessness of life under the sun. The preacher is not making a political statement, neither is he referring to what we know as right and left brain activity. He's using the perceived wisdom of his day. The right hand represented strength and protection, and the left hand was actually associated with ineptness. Do we have any inept people in here? <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's okay. It's all right. I mean, if, uh, I, for some reason, out of my five children, three of them are left-handed. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that's that's just the truth of the matter. So, and so in that day and age, if you think about left-handedness pointing to something that wasn't necessarily looked upon as as the right thing, I mean, we've all heard the stories of left-handed children having their their hand tied behind their back to make them right right-handed. Teacher literally did that. Yes. Yeah, that those things those things occurred because there was some sort of a negativity associated with being left-handed, and so if you think about the way that this is this is being proposed here, saying that a fool or that a, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left, that's the connotation uh, that's being put out here. So so the idea that, that conveyed is that wisdom and folly are seated within the heart of a man, and it is the inclination of that heart to lead in the right or wrong direction. So again, a fool's heart will take him the wrong way. <coughs> Verse three, even the fool walks on the road that, that lacks sense. Uh, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Essentially, when you are a fool, you don't need to tell anybody that you're a fool. 
<laughs> They're going to know it. They're going to see it. Your actions are going to tell on you. You won't be able to hide it. And so it's... What's that? Not always at first. Not always at first. That's true. And then you have those that have the attitude, well, they think I'm this way, I'm this way. So they just continue to do that and find ways to even be more of that instead of doing something to... To try and go the other way. It's like, well, I'm supposed to prove them right. And then they find out, you know, more stupid things to do. I don't don't think you can say that any better. Um, Well, in verse 4, it says, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. I want to read this to you too. It says, the fool lacks self-control even in his dealings with those in authority over him. The wise man keeps a cool head when all around him are losing theirs. And so the preacher endorses wise advice given to courtiers in the book of Proverbs. But in this passage, he is dealing with, with the specific situation where the king or some other official is angry with you. So in other words, foolish pride may give you courage, but what you do with it is something that may lead you down the wrong path. So you have to be careful how you respond to someone in authority. You know, if, if, if your boss does something that you think is not fair and you react in such a way where you come back at him with an attitude or... It, you know, was something that's going to get you fired that might not have been the right way to go at it. And so that's that's kind of the picture here is that you, you need to don't leave your place. Remember where you where your place is in response to someone who is in authority and respond calmly. And uh, don't be like David Bell when he goes out there and gets ejected from the game. <laughs> How many times have you been thrown out this year? John, Dale, anybody know? Several. Yeah, he gets out there and he gets a little wound up sometimes and he uh, he goes after authority with an attitude and they get kick him out of the game. He's protected his players, yeah. Don't ruin don't, don't, I was gonna say, don't don't ruin my analogy here, Dale. So <laughs> oh. okay, let's move on to verse five here. Um, hopefully we'll, we may start skipping down through things here. So I definitely want to get to chapter 12. So there is an evil that I have seen under the sun. It, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler, folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Verse 8, we're going to get back into some, some things here. Let's read basically 8 through 10 and talk about those. So verse 8, he says, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stone is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If an iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. What are these pictures of? Especially, especially verse 8, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. What, what kind of a picture is that? There's a generality here that's being, being made, a general picture of some things. Uh, but anybody want to try and, and, and untangle that for us? So people dig a hole with either pride or 
agony or whatever, and uh, sometimes they fall back into it. I, yeah, I think you could certainly get that out of it. I, I do. I, that's that's one of the places I went to thinking about this, and then I tried to think: a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. How do I? How do I reconcile that with the first part of, of verse eight and put it together? And and I had to go to commentaries because I'm I'm reading I'm like, I don't quite get that one. Um, I'll tell you what the what this particular study talked about. So these are these are five pictures to illustrate a point. The fool must learn to be mindful of the dangers awaiting him if he does not take care. Only wisdom brings success. So his actions may prove to be his undoing and his foolishness may unleash all kinds of hidden dangers. Well, that makes sense now to me. I, I kind of get that. So, you know, you, you, if, if you take off, if I take off and say, I'm going to bust through that door for whatever reason, and I go through that door, you're just running hard. There's a, there's a chance I could run right through that door. Yeah, if I was running, something would be wrong. But I could go right through that door and a car could come right across through there and just pile it right into me. It'd be the same thing as busting through a wall and getting bit by a snake. It's, it's the example of when you're foolish in your actions, you wind up unleashing some hidden things that might be your undoing if you're not careful, if you don't take a better approach. Uh, Jimmy, I don't, I don't want you to think I'm picking on you, but you might want to listen to this. <laughs> I don't run much either. <laughs> No, I've just seen the way you drive the tractor up around the farm. So <laughs> there are hidden dangers behind those silos. No. <laughs> and also, I mean, I was just something I kept on reading, thinking of, and it also may just be the bad decisions that you continue to make in life. You're digging that pit, and then when you hit the bottom, when you dig through the bottom of it, Satan's a serpent, and you're going to be bitten by his, you know. By him, it's, you know, it's quite possible. Back, you know, yeah. I kept on it and that's just what kind of came through. Yeah, how can how can you, you connect those words? Keep on digging yourself a hole, and eventually, you you know, if you don't stop digging down and start looking up, then you're going to be in the. You wind up in a snake pit. Yeah. Yeah, you wind up in a snake pit. <laughs> Well, in verse 9, it says, He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. One of the things to take away from that, I think, is that sometimes if we're not thinking clearly, and we've talked about this before, it's our very work that could be our undoing. We work so hard to try and accomplish something that through those actions and through that work and through our lack of paying attention to what that's actually doing to ourselves, doing to our families, you know, in ministry, that's one of the things that can be your undoing. You can be working so hard to try and further the kingdom of God that those around you are not getting the attention that they need. The people in your own house and even your own body is not getting the attention that it needs. And so through the course of working that hard, you wind up having your, your, that, that work, very work be your downfall. And I think that's part of the warning here is that when you're when you're performing tasks, we need to, to keep in mind that this is pretty blunt. You know, he who quarries stone is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. Those very things that you're working with could be your undoing. In verse ten, um, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength but wisdom helps one to succeed. That was unpacked here as the fool will rush headlong into a task 
before making adequate preparation, burning himself out in the process. So instead of looking at the task at hand and laying out everything you need to try and do the job, so in other words, the iron needs to be sharpened. Well, let's just go ahead and do the job with what we've got. And the, the, the duller it is, the, the duller it's going to become as you're working and the harder you're going to have to keep driving it to the point where you wear yourself completely out because you didn't apply wisdom to the job. You just tried to just, again, run into it in a foolish manner. So... We continue to see all of these applications and all of these things that are spelled out here throughout the remainder of, uh, of most of chapter 10. And um, in chapter 11, I'm gonna go ahead and skip down a little bit because like I said, I wanna make sure that we do get through chapter 12. Um, but in chapter 11, there is a, an opening line here that starts off, if you'll jump down there with me to verse 1, it reads that, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. It's interesting when you read the various commentaries on this, um, they're not entirely sure that there is a, uh, a modern-day equivalent to understand exactly what this means. You can take it certainly literally in some way, uh, but there I found, I found all sorts of things, uh, the scholars trying to interpret this and, and say what it, uh, what it may or may not mean. And uh, in fact, let me see if I can read something to you here. Is that verse one? Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find that after many days. How we interpret these words will not affect the overall exercise of faith. I want to find the right spot here. Because uh, there was one interpretation here that, that said that work done for Christ will be rewarded. Plain and simple. I like that. I, you know, I think we can, I think we can, we can, we can go there and, <laughs> and say that, that when we do work for Jesus Christ, it will be rewarded. That's an interesting interpretation. Uh, does anybody have anything in their study Bibles that might lead to something just, there? Uh, I don't have any like notes in this one, but verse one on the line says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive your return. Oh, okay. Mine says, be um, adventurous. Like those just have to rest and reap the benefits of the seaborne trade. Do not always play it safe. Do not always play it safe. Hmm. So I can see like the same. He's not always playing it safe. Mm-hmm. Get out, get out there and, and try it. Go out and go out and cast everywhere and 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 you'll get something that'll come back if you take the chance. Um, almost like the fishers and men kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it's, it, it, goes, it, it goes in a bunch of different directions. That's, it's interesting to see what different Bibles have, uh, different translations have tried to do and different scholars have tried to do uh, to make it make sense. Uh, this is one here. Says, a farmer must scatter as much seed as, as, as widely as possible. 
and uh, a philanthropist must share his possessions in several ways as and with as many people as possible. And the businessman is counseled to be wise in his investments is what's in, in the, uh, the, the second verse. So there's, I guess there's some, perhaps some correlation there. I'll leave this open to you to, to kind of interpret, but uh, um, when I can't find something, when I don't fully understand it, I think I fully understand it. And I can't find any study Bibles that make a lot of sense uh, either. I, I just come here and say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But verse two, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Spread everything out. Be wise about your investments. Be wise about where you, you know, how you how you store things up, um, because it's. You, I guess you could you could come back to this and say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? It's a, it's a, it's kind of a straightforward lesson that uh, it's a good idea to in, in all aspects to not put everything together because you don't know what disaster is going to come around. It's like we tell people when we're doing IT work, we, we go out and, and work with a company and they may say, well, we've got all kinds of backups. We back up our data all the time. All this important stuff that keeps our business running, it's backed up right here on this little drive, sitting right next to this computer that if this place burns down, it's gonna burn down with it. And if a tornado comes through, it's gonna be destroyed too. So what's backing up the backup? Exactly, what's backing up the backup? And are you doing anything to get it out of here to spread it around because you don't know what disaster is gonna come and take it all away when you least expect it? Verse three says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Verse four, he will observe the wind. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Farmers, look at verse four. What's that trying to tell us? Don't be sure on the grass that you want wind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so aggressive when the wind's blowing. <clears throat> I think if we, if we look at that from this perspective, again, of, of some of the things that he's been trying to tell us about wisdom. Um, if you spend too much time looking at the, at the things for indications of when things are just the right time, you're never going to do anything. I like what the commentary in my Bible says. Let's hear it. It says, waiting for perfect conditions will mean inactivity. Yeah. This is especially applicable to our spiritual life. Oh, boy. If we wait for the perfect time and place for personal Bible reading, we will never begin. If we wait for a perfect church, we will never join. Nope. If we wait for the perfect ministry, we will never join. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think that's yeah, really that is that's incredible application for that for that verse. Incredible application for that verse. There was a there was a gentleman who uh, I, I had talked to one day when I, back when I used to work at Meyer Tool. He came in for for uh, uh, something that had to do with marketing, and, and several years later, two or three years later, I had uh, an instance to talk with him again, and he said the strangest thing to me, and, and bear with me here, but he said to me. John, he says, I got to tell you something. I, I need to have, I, you, you need to know this. He says, my wife is pregnant and I want to thank you. 
<laughs> and I said, why are you telling me that? <laughs> he said, well, do you remember when I came into your office a couple of years ago at Meyer Tools? I do remember that. He said, I was just getting married. He said, I, yep, I remember that too. You were, you, were, you were getting married about a week later. And he said, I was talking to you about kids. And I said that we were going to have kids as soon as we were financially able. And he said, do you remember what you told me? I said, I do. I said, if you wait until you think it's the right time to have kids, you'll never have them. If you wait until you can afford to have them, you'll never have them. So those are not the indicators that, in my opinion, that you should be going by. When your relationship is strong and you both want them and you pray about it and you feel led by the Lord, all of us, you know, had that discussion with him. He said, we are following that path and we have never felt better. He says, I don't think we can afford it, but we got a baby coming. And uh, I talked to him again some years later, and he was just just thrilled. And but I've never had anybody say that to me before, and it caught me a little bit off guard. <laughs> but if you wait for the right time, if you wait for the right time in life, you're you're going to miss a lot of of wonderful blessings. You're going to miss a lot of. You know, it's it's more important to be guided by be guided by prayer, be guided by the Holy Spirit, be guided by the things that we know are truly important and should really be at the center of everything that we do. And not necessarily looking at the indicators from a worldly perspective. And I think that that what you read was perfect, Carol, because we'll you know, we'll look at the faults of everything and ignore all of the good in everything. You know, that we'll look for all the excuses in the world to not do something that we're afraid to do, even though it would be a good thing to do. It's that pit back in chapter 10. Yeah, it's that pit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a comment about finding the perfect church. If you did, they probably wouldn't want you in. That's where you go. <laughs> Boy, and that's the truth. <laughs> I'm talking about me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the best thing about church is you get to you get to do it with other people, and the worst thing about church is you have to do it with other people. So. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's look down at chapter twelve. We've uh, we've we've touched through there a little bit, and uh, as as we progress down through chapter eleven. Um, in fact, let's let's start at uh, verse verse seven in chapter eleven, and we'll read seven through ten, and then we'll get into to twelve and just read through this here. Chapter eleven, verse seven says, "Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun." So, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So the preacher here, as he keeps being referred to throughout Ecclesiastes, is starting to talk about this difference between life and death. And he's talking about light being being life and that that darkness will be, the years of darkness will be many. You're going to be dead a whole lot more years than you're going to be alive. These are, this is more of that, a little bit of a gloom and doom perspective, but he's, he's leading into um, the, the truth of the matter that he's discovered by, by examining all of these things that are meaningless. 
Verse 9, he says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So you know what? Enjoy your youth. Do the th- Go ahead. Just When you're young, you should do things, but you need to remember something. That the things that you do, God will judge you on. God sees all. He knows all. And while you're enjoying your youth, it's better to enjoy your youth within the confines of God's morals, the things that he has laid down and the, the boundaries that he wants us to experience life within. And in the process of doing that, that's where we'll start to find the meaning of life because we're serving the Lord in the process. And so you can go out and enjoy your life in the midst of sin all you want to. It's like I said several weeks back, sin is fun. That's why people do it. They enjoy what they do. We enjoy things sometimes that we shouldn't be doing. But the conviction that falls upon us as Christians is the Holy Spirit telling us we're off that road, we're outside that boundary, and we need to pull it back in because we're being chastened and chastised for being off that road and outside that boundary. And when we pull things back in, then we get to experience the goodness of God and pleasing Him. Verse 10 says, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Don't allow your troubles, your aches, and your pains to be focused on too hard. Even in the times when you're getting older and experiencing these problems, still do the opposite. Keep your focus upon God. Let's read through chapter 12 here as as we wrap this up. Forgive me for going through, but we've just got a few more minutes, and I at least want to get through 12 here. Chapter 12 tells us that remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along. The desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. There's a lot of things we could start to look at, but we can certainly encompass this entire segment here of the first eight verses of chapter 12 as he's talking about death. He's talking about all the things that are coming to an end. And certainly as we reach down toward the end there and get to um, uh, chapter 7, 
and or chapter actually I'm sorry verse six and verse seven we talks about before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. These these bring to, to mind these pictures of things that hold water. And when you think about water being life and you think about these shattered vessels that hold that life and how our body starts to weaken and starts to run down and starts to essentially shatter and the life seeps out of it. It's this, it's this picture and he ends it with the spirit will return to God who gave it. And then he says again, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. So in other words, again, let's keep that in perspective. Everything that happens under the sun, if we try to find meaning within it, without taking into consideration God, it will all be meaningless. So verse nine says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and studying. That's what I'm doing. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Verse eleven: The words of the wise are like goads. What's a goad? Prod. Prod. Thank you. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings who are they are given by one shepherd my son beware of anything beyond these of making many books there is no end and much studying is a weariness of the flesh the end of the matter all has been heard fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You ever read Ecclesiastes and you get to the end and you think, you know, he could have taken verse 13 and 14 and put it at the end of chapter one and closed it. And we would have been just fine. <laughs> but no. There's a lot more that God wanted to say and drive home the fact that, listen, all of these things that you try to find meaning in, your work, your, um, you know, your, your family, your, your striving for um, material things, uh, even things that, that society will tell you are noble pursuits, if they are not pursuits of God, they, in the end, will be meaningless because, as the preacher tells us in Ecclesiastes, eventually you're going to die and somebody else is going to play with your toys. And that's how it's all going to end. And so if we, if we keep those things in perspective, and what he's really trying to do for us in chapter 11 is to say, when you take the opportunity to really put your mortality in the proper light, when you really grasp a hold of the fact that one day we're all going to die, that should lead you in the proper direction to search for where you find meaning. And then he goes on past that in, in chapter 12 to say, here's where you find meaning. You find meaning in keeping God's commandments. You find meaning in trusting in God. And that's it, it's that simple. I, like, I, I always like to, to, to point out things that are simple that we like to make complex. This really is simple. And we spent four weeks getting here. 
but it's still a simple concept. So closing questions, comments, or criticisms? Just like, you know, in life, you know, if we're not seeking what, seeking advice from God, I mean, we're just, we're just going to be in this, in this darkness, in this pit, you know, but once we take our focus off of us and put it on Christ, and then life is, life is so much easier. Like I've said a couple of times, like, while I'm trying to get back with, in that relationship with God, where when the kids were little, I depended on God to help me raise those kids, yeah. you know, to get through it. And my relationship with him was stronger than, than it is now because of that, not that I don't need him and depend on him any less, but I don't have humans I'm trying to keep alive. <laughs> to, you know, like the dependency has changed, you know. Oh, yeah. Things, yeah. You know? I mean, but I still, no, there's nothing else in my life. I mean, I still need to depend on you to make sure I keep my job on my life. But it's just, you got to have that focus of dependency upon him. To and and can, I, can I rewind you for just a minute? Because you said, you used the word, it that when you were more dependent upon him, I think I got this right, that life was easier. Yeah. And 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 could I could I maybe present this to you? Was it not that life was easier, but it was easier to deal with life? Yeah. Easier. Easier to deal with, yeah. Yeah, because because I think sometimes Sometimes, and I know you don't have this perception, but sometimes people get the wrong idea that by, come, by becoming a Christian, it's the answer to all our problems. Right. You can get back and do nothing. That's right. Oh, I'm, I believe in yeah. I believe in Jesus now. Everything's going to be great. That's not what the Bible says. You you should read it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Don't sit soaking sour. Yeah. In a comparison with my buddy Mark we call it the uh, co-patient of stress. He was talking about his grandfather or uncle or whatever. They were farming a thousand acres with a farm all in, and they stopped in the middle of the day, being the good German Catholics they were, and they had a beer. And then they would always say, you know, 100 years from now, I won't mind them here to stop to this. That's right, yeah. So we call that the stress thing. But if you think about it, so many things that we get excited and worried about, they don't matter. They don't matter. Yep. Keep the important things important. Well, thank you all for being here for this. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to spend all these weeks with you. I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, you all have uh, Tink coming in here in a, in a couple weeks, and uh, uh, I expect you to give him as much a hard time as you did me. And, thank you, John. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I'll continue to look for more opportunities to do it. Um, but... Uh, Let's close with a word of prayer because uh, we'll have to move on to the next thing. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that, that I've had these many weeks to be able to be here on Wednesday nights and uh, to share your word and to, uh, to grow through the discussions. Uh, Lord, thank you for these folks who continue to be here all, every Wednesday as well. Uh, Lord, I pray for Brother Tank as he, uh, as he adds uh, to, to his uh, his load of the things that he does here and uh, just pray that you will, will continue to to strengthen him lord and, uh, and give him what he needs to accomplish what you've called him to do 
Uh, Lord, just be with uh, all of us as we depart from this room. Help us to remember the words that we've read here. Help us to remember the things that we've discussed. Let us hide them in our hearts, Lord. And as always, uh, we do strive to uh, let your word be the, the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Uh, but most of all, we thank you for Jesus and what that means for us and the opportunity for eternal life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.